Good afternoon and welcome to the X106 Sports Podcast page. I'm Austin McNorton, co-host of Tuesday Takeover, which airs on KZLX 106.7 every Tuesday from 4 to 6 p.m. with Logan Weber and Tucker Quinn. Uh, It's just me today, and I want to give you some insight because, as we all know, the end of what has been just a pretty unreal college basketball season, maybe one of the most exciting uh, in a while, if we're being completely honest, with all of the different conferences um, and the three that we've been focusing on Tuesday Takeover and what I'm going to focus on today. These three conference races have been truly tight. I mean, we just saw last night, uh, for example, in the Big 12, one of the most, uh, something I never thought I'd see, uh, and I never thought the day would come, quite honestly, because of how dominant this team has been, the Kansas Jayhawks. They just lost the Big 12 for the first time in 14 years. I mean, think about Think about that. That's all the way back to 2005 now. 14 years is how long that streak has gone on. And with their loss to Oklahoma last night, they are have no chance of taking a Big 12 title home, even with the regarding of whether what Kansas State or Texas Tech does. Um, they, it is completely just they are out of the question. Now it's just up to Kansas State and Texas Tech to really figure it out. Um, But today during this podcast, I kind of want to look at who I think will be Big 12 Player of the Year, Big 10 Player of the Year, SEC Player of the Year, and then I want to look at the first team uh, players, so one through five, who are the best five players in each of those three conferences that we've been primarily focused on during Tuesday Takeover. Um, So I will start, and then I'll look at the end of this, I'll look at who I think uh, will end up winning the conference as all three conferences are really tight and who I think out of the conference will make it the furthest in the big dance, which is just around a, around the corner, and it's fantastic. This is the best time of the year, if we're being completely honest. I mean, this is, I mean, the most watched, the best sports event. Everyone's excited, even if you're not that big a fan of basketball. You watch this because you know just all the big-time plays that there usually are in this tournament it's just fantastic every single year so I'll start with the big 12 first um, and I'll give my big 12 player of the year and really honestly it's there hasn't been a clear cut I mean we've looked back in previous years of the big 12 and we've seen guys like Blake Griffin back in 09, KD in 07. I mean, those guys were clear-cut for obvious reasons. I mean, look what they're doing in the NBA, and we saw what they did in college, and they were amazing. But then we look at, and we look back to recent years with Kansas, where they've they've had some dominant guys. Josh Jackson, for example, Andrew Wiggins comes to mind, um, and even most recently, Devontae Graham. I mean, those guys were clearly um, they were. You could tell that these guys. They're the Big 12 player of the year. They're the best player on a consistent basis. They get their team results. They get their team championships, just like uh, Kevin Durant, just like Blake Griffin. Uh, Perry Ellis comes to mind for the Big 12. But this year, with how tight that it's been, it's been interesting. I mean, really, um, and, and I think it comes down to three guys, and each of these three guys are in the top three teams in the Big 12, and Texas Tech, Kansas State, and 
Dedrick Lawson, or uh, correction, Kansas, well, spoiler, uh, Dedrick Lawson is um, who that player is for Kansas. So these are the, the first player out of these three that it kind of comes down to for Big 12 Player of the Year, Dedrick Lawson. He's been a monster all season long, basically a double-double on average, 18.5 points a game, 9.9 rebounds, one assist, one steal, 47% field goal percentage. I mean, he is a monster. He's a really tough guy to guard. Um, and, and really, you look at the Big 12 throughout the in, entire course of the season, it's, that's why it's been so close, is it started out with Dedrick Lawson. KU was playing great. They had great uh, non-con games that they were able to win. Dedrick Lawson looked like far and away. He was going to take this uh, title with him, get another 15 straight for Kansas. But really, that just wasn't the case. You could tell that uh, he just couldn't get it done. I mean, no matter what he was doing, he could not pull his team a win, especially on the road. I mean, a team that was 3-7 and seven this year on the road, um, which really cost him the Big 12 this year, that hurt. And that's what I think is why he's not able to win Big 12 Player of the Year. And that brings me to my second player. And he plays for the Kansas State Wildcats, and that is Barry Brown. And he's a guy who really emerged when Kansas was struggling on the road. Kansas State went on to win nine straight games under the leadership of Barry Brown. And here's a guy who came in as a freshman, uh, has now just just gone up and up and up on basically every single K-State record book that you can think of and points, steals, minutes played. I mean, this guy's been everywhere for Kansas State. A rafter, uh, jersey in the rafters for sure for Barry Brown down the road. Um, but for me, he falls in second place in the Big 12 Player of the Year race. Um, I think he had it locked up, but of the, the way that he's been playing recently, yes, his team has still been getting wins, but it's mostly been on the backs of Kamau Stokes and Dean Wade, the other two seniors for this uh this veteran class that Kansas State has. And here's a guy, Barry Brown, who's averaged 16 points, four rebounds, three steals, uh, three assists, two steals, 47% field goal percentage. Um, really, he does it all. I mean, he's the leader for this team. That is his – he's the leader. He's been the best player for Kansas State all year long with question marks and injuries regarding Cam Stokes and Dean Wade. He's been the anchor. He's had to be that guy for the Wildcats this season – but here's who I'm picking to be Big 12 Player of the Year, a guy who has just been an animal. I mean, we, know, we knew what he was going to be able to do on the defensive side of the ball, mostly because of just how much of an athlete he is. I mean, he's fast, he can jump, he's got the length, he's got the, he's got the intelligence, the basketball IQ that coaches look for. But, and the way that he's been scoring this year, is what set him apart for me this year. And that is Jarrett Culver. He's averaged 17 points a game, six rebounds, three assists, um, shoots 48% from the field, and just 70% from the free throw line. He has been consistent all season long, whereas we've seen at times Derrick Clarkson was the best, Barry Brown was the best, both kind of fell off. Jarrett Culver has been there all season long, regardless of whether... There was a stretch where Texas Tech kind of struggled, but it wasn't because of him. It wasn't because of him. He was putting up shots. He was getting steals. He was getting out in transition. He has just been a monster this season for the Red Raiders and has really put them put his team in position to win the Big 12. If they, if they can get a win on Saturday, 
they will win the Big 12 or at least clinch a share with Kansas State if Kansas State's able to beat Oklahoma. So that is my Big 12 player of the year in Jarrett Culver. Then I look towards who is the first team all Big 12. So I'll look at the five players here. The three I just mentioned are definitely on there. Uh, Jarrett Culver, Barry Brown, Jadrick Lawson. Deservingly so. I mean, we looked at, we just, I just looked at, uh, mentioned their stats. They're pretty good. They're all right. <laughs> and so then you look at two other guys who I think have been pretty consistent. One kind of coming out of the blue, one not so much. Uh, I'll start with him, the Kansas State Wildcat, Dean Wade himself, who came into the season as preseason Big 12 Player of the Year. Um, but he's been battling injuries all season long, so that's why I don't think he's in that Big 12 Player of the Year uh, Candace to see this year is because what he's been doing with his foot issue, he just hasn't been 100% until recently. I mean, this is the first time in the last two games that Dean Wade has been healthy since, honestly, last March when he got hurt before the Big 12, during the Big 12 tournament and wasn't able to play in the big dance. Um, and that's really where now he's 100% healthy. But due to the fact that he wasn't still battling foot, the foot issues, uh, he hasn't been Big 12 Player of the Year, but he still is a first-teamer, um, averaging around a double-double a game. He's really p- has a strong assist numbers. His defensive efficiency is really high for a Kansas State team that is tied for first with Texas Tech. And then coming in at the fourth spot, I look at a guy who their team has been also uh, up there in the Big 12 race all season long. And for me, that guy is Makai Mason for the Baylor Bears. And, and for Baylor, really, um, you, you didn't expect them to really be in it. They always seem, for, for Baylor, the story is they are always up there in the top, they're battling it out, and then they always falter. It, it happens every year for Baylor. But here's a guy who just hasn't faltered for Text for for Baylor. Um, he, he's coming in as a senior. Um, Makai Mason, um, six foot one, one eighty five. He averages fourteen points a game, two rebounds, three assists. He's really the offensive engine for this Baylor Bears team. Um, we we know they're going to be strong defensively. The, the way they play their zone just solely makes them strong defensively. Whether or not they're fundamentally there or not, that's. Just oddity of a defense makes them tough to score on. Um, but Makai Mason offensively has got Baylor to a different point this season of being the top of the Big 12 and, and really in a good position to make some noise in the big dance because of what he's been doing. The, the problem is he got hurt, missed a few games, which let Baylor kind of fall out of first place. Um, but I think if he would have stayed in it, if he would have been healthy, that team would be right up there with Kansas State, right up there with Kansas. Um, but due to the fact that he did, in fact, get hurt, that kind of fault. But there's my top five. Makai Mason, Dedrick Lawson, Barry Brown, Dean Wade, and, of course, the Big 12 Player of the Year, Jarrett Culver from Texas Tech. Now we look at the Big Ten. And this has also been really a pretty impressive race conference wise um it's it, it's been i it's the deepest conference in the entire division one power five power or power seven you say for the college basketball all season and that's because anybody can be anybody in this conference and I, it's not even an exaggeration we've seen it all year long penn state beating michigan um 
Illinois has always been able to make some noise, even though at one point they were they were the worst team in college basketball record-wise in the nation. Um, but they've moved themselves up into close to a 500 overall record. Um, they're going to fall a little bit short of that. But all of those bottom-tier teams, Rutgers, Ohio State, Illinois, Indiana, Penn State, Nebraska, Northwestern, all of those teams have been able to beat those top four teams in Wisconsin, Purdue, um, Michigan State, and Michigan. Those teams have all lost to some of those bottom teams this season. And looking at the other two conferences in the Big 12 and SEC, and even the ACC, really, the Pac-12 is, <laughs> sorry, it's just it's not good this year. But looking at those other four conferences, there is not as deep. I mean, you have... Uh, I mean, looking at the SEC, for example, Kentucky can go into Georgia and say, all right, we know that we're going to win this. Tennessee can go into Alabama and say, okay, we know we're going to win this. Uh, Kansas can go into Oklahoma State and say, okay, we know we're going to win this, which wasn't the case last year for the Big 12. The Big 12 was the deepest conference last season. This season is the Big 10. Michigan, we play Penn State. Oh, man, I mean, we should win, but they lose. Michigan State, we go to Indiana. Well, we should win. We lose twice to the Hoosiers, does Michigan State. Um, but then looking at Big uh, Big Ten Player of the Year, uh, for me, I'm going to go with Carson Edwards. I think Big Ten and all these Player of the Year conference-wise for these three conferences are based on who is most crucial to their team. Um, and, for, and for this... Jarrett Culver, crucial. Carson Edwards, crucial. He leads the team in points with 23 a game. Uh, he leads the team in steals with one and a half a game. I mean, he's just been everywhere this season and three rebounds to go along with it. He's not that big, but the way that he can score the ball anywhere, you always, always, always have to account for a player of this caliber in Carson Edwards. Um, and, and he's just been a monster all season long for the Big Ten. Um, and I know I'm saying this now after last night. Um, he shot 7 for 31. That's tough. But in regards to his entire season, he's been playing well, shooting uh, just under 40%, um, just under 35% from three. Um, so really, he can get to the hole and shoot threes in an effective manner and dish it out to his teammates who can also score. I mean, you look at Matt Harms down low. Um, he has guys that can also put it in, and that's what makes Purdue sitting tied for the Big Ten as well. Looking then at the remainder of the first team All-Big Ten, we look at, okay, so you have Carson Edwards. I'm going to go to Michigan State, and I'm going to go with – uh, junior Cassius Winston. I mean, he has been a guy with with ha- the just true injury test that these this Michigan State team has been battling all season long with Laneford being out and Nick Ward and all these guys just in and out, in and out. Cassius Winston has been the guy who's been there all year and been crucial. Again, that's what I'm going to keep hinting on that word, crucial. Cassius Winston, 18 points a game, seven assists a game, one steal a game, I mean, he's doing it all. He's doing it all. And then you look at another guy who's doing it all. Ethan Happ. Here's a guy who potentially could have been Big Ten Player of the Year. And if you said he was Big Ten Player of the Year, I wouldn't have any argument for you. It's really opinion. I mean, that's why this is, I think, the tightest race in regards to Player of the Year. 
is because of this guy right here, Ethan Happ Sr. He's been he's like one of those guys where if you're an opponent in the Big Ten that has to play against Wisconsin, you're like, how is Ethan Happ still here? He's been here forever. He always beats us. He always scores because he does it all. He can bring the ball up the court and dunk it just because of his skill set of ball handling, IQ. I mean, he leads the team. Average is a double-double. Leads the team in points, rebounds, assists, steals with 17 points, 10 rebounds, 4 assists, and 1 steal. Do-it-all Hap is a first-team all-big 10. So there's three. Moving on to number four. Uh, here's another guy who, again, if you say this guy's Big Ten Player of the Year, more power to you. Ignis Brasdikas. He's a guy who's filled the role of Mo Wagner leaving a team that made it to the national championship game last year under under Wagner, and Ignis Brasdikas has filled that role. Um, he's played in all 30 games, 14 points, five rebounds, almost a block a game. Shoots 46% from the floor, 77% free throw shooter. And he, he can really stretch the floor, too. He shoots 40% from three. So here's a guy who you know is going to play defensively with his size. He's able to stretch the floor just like Mo Wagner. He's got the skill set. He's got the speed. He's got the ball handling. Similar to Ethan Happ, he is really strong this year. And then, finally, for uh, the coming at the fifth spot of the Big Ten Player of the Year award, I'm going to look at... Nick Ward for Michigan State. And I know here's a guy who's been battle-tested with injuries all season. But really, he I mean, he's played well in the 26 games that he's played. 15 minutes, or 15 points rather, 6 points, or 6 rebounds, and almost an assist a game, a block a game, and he shoots 60% from the floor. Here's a guy you know you get the ball in down low. The chances of him scoring are High, clearly based on those numbers. So you look at it, two guys from Michigan State and Cassius Winston, Nick Ward. Uh, you have from Wisconsin, Ethan Happ, do-it-all Happ, as everyone likes to call him, because he literally does it all. Michigan coming in with Ignis Brasdikas, and then finally rounding it up, Big Ten Player of the Year. For In my opinion, it's Carson Edwards. Moving now into... The SEC, the third conference that we like to cover on Tuesday Takeover. Again, another really tight race uh, in this conference as you look at it, and it is a three-team race. This, this conference is a little different in this SEC because you have the three teams that in Tennessee, LSU, and Kentucky that are all separated within a game of each other. And then after that, <laughs> oh, and then, this is crazy too, all three of those teams are in the top 10. Tennessee at 5, Kentucky at 6, LSU at 10. And the SEC does not have another team ranked. They have three in the top 10 and not another team ranked. Now, you want to talk about top-heavy. The SEC is top-heavy. But the three teams that are good are really good. I mean, LSU led by a young team. Tennessee, more veteran, more experienced. Um, and Kentucky... Just athletic, skilled NBA. That's what you think of when you think of Kentucky, as always. And so you look at uh, SEC Player of the Year. Um, for me, I, I don't think this is close. Um, 
compared to the other three conferences that we've looked at. For me, this goes to I don't I don't think there needs to be a drum roll or anything. It's Grant Williams. I mean, this is a man, a man who has just been dominant all season long. He has been the guy. Looking at 19 points a game, seven rebounds, um, one steal. Looking at his assist numbers, three assists. Uh, averages a block a game. Shoots 56% from the floor, 83% from the line. Could step behind the arc when he needs to. He has always been that guy when Tennessee has needed him in close games. He's been. I mean, I immediately think back to that Vanderbilt game where he scored, I think, over 40, um, <laughs> and was really. Unstoppable, and he's been unstoppable all season long. That's what's so intriguing about him. Um, for for Tennessee, he's been the guy. He's the SEC Player of the Year, and I don't think this one should be in question because he's just been that dominant, that consistent all season long. I will go to his teammate next when we're looking at first team All SEC in Admiral Schofield. Here's a guy who's also played all 30 games of the season, averages <coughs> excuse me over 31 minutes. 16 points, 6 rebounds, 2 assists, a steal, uh, almost a block, 47%, 72% from the line, and 39% from behind the arc. He's been great, and that's why Tennessee has been great. Led behind these two juniors and Coach Rick Barnes, who have put them in position to really win the SEC, and really, they look like a Final Four team right now with how they've been playing. Only three losses on the season. Um... An early loss to Kansas, uh, loss to Kentucky, which they avenged recently. But ten, the Volunteers this season have been really strong in the SEC, led behind these two guys. Moving on into the third guy in the first team All-Big Ten, I'll go with a younger guy now and sophomore Tremont Waters for LSU. Here's LSU. No one even expected him to really be in this situation, if we're being honest. I didn't even look at him preseason. I thought, oh, Kentucky, Tennessee, these are the teams that are going to run this conference as they typically do. Maybe Florida getting up in there. But LSU this season have been great. Um, led behind these young guys in Naz Reed and Tremont Waters. I look at Tremont Waters as a first-team All-SEC guy, and, and he hasn't played all games of the season, a battle a little bit of injury. But when he's been in there, he's been consistent, being able to upset teams, been able to upset Tennessee, being able to upset Kentucky. LSU has been in those situations because of the way these young guys are playing. And it's unbelievable to say that. You don't expect these young guys to be able to play as well as they have been, but they have been. They've been playing really well. And Trey Montmartre is a big part of that. He scores 15 a game, three rebounds, five assists, three steals, and that's another thing that you look at. This LSU team can get out and transition and score. And Naz Reed is so he has such an IQ for the game of basketball. He's able to get a rebound, immediately find his guys, get it up the court to him, and let him go to work. And really, it's been working well for LSU all season long. I'll look next uh, for the fourth big uh, SEC player of the year. Um, and for me, that is Quindary Weatherspoon, a guy that's kind of coming under the radar uh, for Mississippi State, and, and a guy who was preseason SEC, uh, first team all SEC, but really the thing, and, and they're sitting at a five way tie for fourth place, believe that or not, in the SEC. Just crazy this season. Um, but Quindary Witherspoon uh, for Mississippi State, he's averaged 18 a game, five rebounds, 
two assists. Uh, um, they're coming on off a little bit of a losing streak, but uh, here's a guy who's going to be dangerous in the big dance. He's a senior. He's experienced. He's been in tight games before. And the way that he's been scoring the ball recently, you always have to keep an eye on him. He's similar to a Carson Edwards. You always have to keep an eye on this kid because he's always going to be able to score at will. And he's been doing that all season long. And then the final guy uh, for the SEC is the one and only P.J. Washington, another young guy. This SEC is pretty young Um compared to most of the other Power 7 conferences. Um, and P.J. Washington is a first-team All-SEC guy. He averages just under 15 a game, seven rebounds, two assists, a block, um, a steal, and he shoots 52% from the floor, 43% from behind the three-point line. And really what stands out about P.J. Washington, and you look back to what he did last year in March, is just his length. I mean, this is a guy, you get in the paint, he affects your shot. Whether he blocks it or not, he's going to affect your shot. He's smart, he's in the right place, he doesn't get beat on defense, he makes good plays, and he does it well on the offensive end as well, and he's been consistent doing that all year long. So then looking at the three conferences, who I think is going to win each of these conferences, is <laughs> all three of them are really close. Um, so, so looking at the SEC first, I'll start with, I think it's Tennessee this year. I think they've just been so strong all season long. I mean, they had an early loss to Kansas, um, a loss to Kentucky, and a loss to LSU. I mean, those are all three really good teams. And every other team that they've played so far, they've taken care of business. Um, They haven't faltered. Rick Barnes is doing a great job with this team. And I think the way that Grant Williams and Admiral Schofield have played, I think these are the two best teams, two best players in the SEC. And they put their team in a position to win, and I think they will end up doing so. Moving to our third conference, who I think is going to win the Big Ten. This is really, honestly, it's a coin flip. I mean, all three of these teams are tied right now. Michigan, Michigan State, and Purdue. So you're going to end up with, uh, um, unless Purdue loses again. They lost last night to Minnesota. They play Northwestern on Saturday. If Purdue loses... They're out. If Purdue wins, they're going to clinch a share because Michigan and Michigan State play each other in East Lansing. So I think it's going to end up being a tie between Michigan State and Purdue. Um, I don't think Purdue will lose again. Um, They're on the road again, um, but I think Carson Edwards is going to be more focused getting the Boilermakers a Big Ten title. Um, And I don't think... In East Lansing, Michigan can get it done. That's a really, really tough place to play, if not the toughest place to play in the Big Ten. Um, and Michigan State already beat Michigan once. Um, I, I don't think the Spartans are going to lose at home. I think Cash Winston's going to have a big game, as he has been all season long for the Spartans. So that's my winner for the Big Ten. And then finally my winner for the Big 12, and I'll say winners – I think that Texas Tech and Kansas State are going to share the Big 12 title. Um, Texas Tech plays in Ames, so uh, that's not an easy place to play. But the way that Iowa State's been playing recently and the way that Texas Tech has been playing recently, um, it favors Texas Tech. Texas Tech has been – their margin of victory right now is 22 points. Um, You're not going to score on them. And the way they've been scoring recently, uh, good luck. Um, and then Kansas State hosts 
Oklahoma, who just came off a huge win, a lot of momentum coming in to Bramlage on Saturday after beating the Kansas Jayhawks. Um, but I don't think with how much of a veteran class this is in Kansas State, Barry Brown, Dean Wade, Kamal, Kamal Stokes, these three are not going to lose on senior day um, in front of their home crowd. They're veterans. They know what's on the line. They win. They get the, they get the Big 12. Um, Texas Tech plays before Kansas State, so Kansas State is going to know what they need to do before the game even starts. I think that helps. Um, so I expect that to be a share between Texas Tech and Kansas State, which will technically make KU the third-place team in the Big 12, which is crazy to think about after a 14-year streak has been broken. Finally, to wrap up this podcast here on the X106 Sports page, we look at who I think out of those three conferences uh, are going to make it the farthest in the Big Dance, which is just around around the corner. Hallelujah. It's fantastic. We, I'm going to look just solely on Joe Lunardi's bracketology right now, who I think is going to make it the farthest. I'll start with the SEC. Right now, I'm going to go with Kentucky being the favorite to make it the furthest in the SEC. They are a one seed right now in the Midwest region, and their route could consist of UCF, Texas, uh, a Wisconsin-Virginia Tech team, I think that either of those favor Kentucky, and then they would meet up most likely based on if I'm just picking the, the favorites, the higher seeds, they would play North Carolina in the Elite Eight. Making it to the Elite Eight is, is and I don't know who would win that. I would lean towards North Carolina, but looking at the other t- uh, th- two teams in the SEC in Tennessee and LSU, Kentucky has the easiest route. You look at Tennessee, they could potentially meet a Wofford or a Purdue. Both of those teams are really tough. And you look at uh, you look at LSU, and they could potentially meet up against a Michigan State team. And I don't know, those young guys playing against Tom Izzo I think would be tough. Uh, so Kentucky, I have them making it to the Elite Eight farthest team in the SEC, just based on the bracketology right now set out by Joe Lunardi. Looking at the Big Ten, um, you look at Michigan State uh, is a two-seed, Michigan a two-seed, and Purdue a three-seed. This one's tough. Um, If I'm looking at it right now, I think Michigan has the best chance of actually making it to the Final Four. Gonzaga is the one seed in their region. It's the West region that they're put in right now. They would potentially have to go through Villanova, an experienced tournament team, as we all know, Houston, an electric team, but not a lot of experience. Um, so, and with Gonzaga being the one seed, I would, I would, looking at it right now, Michigan a Final Four team, and then you look at Michigan State, Purdue. Michigan State would have to go through most likely Virginia in their region as the one seed, uh, a Louisville team, an LSU team. That's tough for Michigan State. Then you look at. Um, Purdue is a three seed. They could potentially have to play Nevada, who's lost to Utah State. Nevada moved down to a six seed. That is the most terrifying six seed you would ever want to run into um, if you are <laughs> if you're Purdue. Uh, so I don't see them being able to make it easily anyway, just based on it right now if I'm predicting it. Um, and then finally for the Big 12, Texas Tech is the team right now that, quite honestly, I could see them making it to the Final Four. Um, they have a little bit of a tough road to end up getting there, but 
man, they have been really, they're a three seed right now. Um, their two seed would be North Carolina in Kansas City. How unreal of a game would that be in the Sweet 16, Texas Tech versus North Carolina. But the way that Texas Tech has been playing right now, you're, it's so hard to score against them because of just how fundamentally they sound on def- fundamentally sound they are defensively. They're long, they get out in transition, and then when they're hitting threes, when they're hitting turnaway, fadeaway jumpers, you can't beat them. You can't beat them unless somehow, somehow you can find a way to outshoot them, which, uh, or score, rather score against their defense, which is so hard to do. Um, that's why I think Texas Tech has the biggest chance to make it the furthest in the Big 12. Uh, Kansas State, they have strong defense, but they struggle to score at times. And then Kansas, uh, they can't really win outside of the fog. <laughs> They've proven that this year. I don't know about a neutral court, but they have really struggled outside the fog, and it showed this season as their streak is going to come to an end. So that's their biggest question mark for me in regards to Kansas and Kansas State. That's why I have Texas Tech making it all the way. And that is it for this podcast edition of the X106 Sports Podcast page. I'm Austin Norton, co-host of Tuesday Takeover. Tune in to Tuesday Takeover every uh, Tuesday, 4 to 6. We're talking Division I college basketball, which is coming down to the end. Best time of the year. March Madness is just around the corner. It's fantastic. Um, So tune into that. Thanks for tuning in to this edition of the X106 Sports Podcast page. We'll see you next time.